Well, that's awkward. Looks like I probably need to offer confessions at the end of Mass because all of us have really messed up recently. We have all directly disobeyed Christ's command over and over and over again because you all called me or another priest Father. And there's no question that probably most of you, if not all of you, have encountered some for, someone from a denomination of our Protestant brothers and sisters who have quoted this passage to you and basically told you that we Catholics directly disobey God's command and Christ's command because Christ says, do not call anyone your father. An absolute prohibition. But I put this in the category of Hashtag things Jesus never meant. So let's go back to the basics of understanding Scripture. We can't just take one verse, pull it out of context, and use it as a proof text and say, see, here. No. If that were the case, then all of us should at least have at least one hand or one eye removed. Because Jesus elsewhere, he said... If your right eye calls you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. And if your right hand calls you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. I see everyone with two hands and two eyes here. Rather, we have to look at Scripture in the context with which it lies. And a verse from Scripture should be understood both in its immediate context and its context as a whole. The whole Bible, the Old and New Testament, so if Jesus really meant that using the term Father was absolutely forbidden, never to be used, no language likewise ever to be used, then we would not see any such language in the New Testament at all, right? Right, Father. Unless you would say, too, though, that God inspired contradictions in the Scriptures, but I don't think that would be right. So let's see if there's anywhere in the New Testament where we hear someone calling someone else a father or maybe referring to themselves as a father. Luke 16, 24, Acts 4, 25, Acts 7, 2, Acts 22, 1, Romans 4, Romans 9, 10, 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 1 Corinthians 4, 15, 1 Thessalonians 2, 11, James 2, 21, Philippians 2, 22, Philemon 10, and 1 John 2, 13 to 14, just to name a few there. So, St. Luke, St. Stephen, St. Paul, St. James, St. John, they all either use the term Father to describe themselves or another person. Now, they're all saints, too. So I don't think we'd go so far as to say they were directly disobeying God because they were all people full of the Holy Spirit. And people full of the Holy Spirit and saints do not just nonchalantly disobey Jesus. So we have to understand Jesus' words in context. So what is he speaking about? In our gospel we just heard, he's addressing the scribes and Pharisees, the leaders of the people, the authoritative teachers of the law. And he calls them out on two things, hypocrisy and pride. About their hypocrisy, Jesus says, do not observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example, for they preach, but they do not 
practice. Listen to their teaching, but don't do what they do. And about their pride, Jesus says, All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and the salutation, Rabbi. And then Jesus ends with these words. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And so we see Jesus sandwiching his words to call no man father or no man master or no man rabbi in between two things. Speaking about humility. You see, the context is humility. And you see, he's not just giving an absolute prohibition. Rather, he's using an example, a way of teaching he always uses, and that is hyperboles. He's exaggerating to make a point. Just like earlier, he exaggerated by saying you should cut off your hand and take off your eye if it causes you to sin. He's trying to make a point. And see, what he's instructing his disciples is that we should not seek after titles for their own sake. Because God is the only true master, true teacher, and true father. We just get the privilege to be an instrument of his. But enough about calling people father. I'd like for a moment to talk about people we actually do call fathers. That is priests. This Sunday begins National Vocation Awareness Week, vocation to the priesthood and religious life. And in our country, I'm not sure if you know this, but there is an increase in vocations to the priesthood. One seminary I was at five years ago had 80 seminarians. Four years later, it had 160. There's a rise of vocations. Now, our diocese is a little slow to see this trend, and whatever the cause that may be, there's no doubt that men and women in our diocese and in our parish are being called to priests and religious life. There is no doubt about it. And this evening, I stand before you as a man, a younger man, who has always and will always have a desire to be a father. And it's precisely this desire that makes someone a great candidate to be a priest. You see, I longed, when I was in high school, I longed to be a husband and a father. And when I began to experience this call to be a, free, a, a priest, I was really con conflicted. I was like, all right, God, how could you put a desire to be a husband and father and also to be a priest at the same time in my heart? Because you know, you're God. Those two don't go together. But oh man, was I wrong. The struggle I experienced was clarified when a priest once told me, you see, Colton, you can't look at marriage and priesthood as mutually opposed vocations. You must see priesthood in the light of marriage. And as I pondered over this over and over, I came to realize that priesthood is not the rejection of fatherhood. And it's not the rejection of marriage totally. 
It's assuming fatherhood just in a different way. And it was receiving the church as my bride. And every day, I wake up and I'm called, like every husband in here, to lay down my life for the church, to serve her and to sacrifice for her. And I'm called, like every father in here, to lay down my life for my spiritual children, to love them and to sacrifice for them, to serve them. And my bride, my children, are not always easy to love. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes their imperfections show. But I'm called to love them right where they are so that they become what they're meant to be. And so for any man who may be out there that I've never considered or maybe even thought about it here or there, or maybe seriously considering, feeling that strong urge to be a priest, I urge you, I urge you, please, to listen to the Heavenly Father who desires your happiness, who desires your fulfillment. And do not be afraid if He's calling you and He places within your heart a call to serve at the Holy Altar, to sacrifice for the people, and a call to be a father, not just to one, to two, three, four, five, six kids, but to a billion. Just last week, I was at Nativity Elementary School watching their Halloween play. And this woman who was sitting behind me tapped me on the shoulder and she said, who's yours? Which one is yours? I turned to her and said, all of them. And she laughed. You see, spiritual fatherhood is real. I love, I sacrifice, I spend time with my spiritual children, whether they're in pre-K four or they're 90 years old. You see, the priesthood is not for men who are weak or just can't find a girlfriend. No. Priesthood is for men who love Jesus Christ, firstly. Priesthood is for men who are willing to offer their lives to God for the sake of saving souls. And it's for men who are not satisfied with mediocrity, but strive for greatness. Priesthood is not the rejection of fun, happiness, fulfillment. Rather, it's all that and more. But the work of vocations, my brothers and sisters, I also present to you is not just the work of priests. It's the work of the whole church. Promotion of vocations is the work of all its people. And men don't learn how to be fathers just out of the blue, out of the sky. They learn how to be fathers by examples of fathers. They learn how to be good fathers by holy families. I mean, Jesus himself, the great high priest, learned from Joseph and came from the holy family. We need fathers to step up, to step up and be models for their children, to show what it means to be a masculine Christian man. We need families that pray together. We need parents who are open to their children, maybe experiencing a call to be a priest or religious sister. We need families who are open to talk about it, to conversate about it. We need mothers and fathers to speak to their children about their options marriage or priesthood or religious life. And so parents, 
I'll give you this advice. One, pray for your children every day to come to know their vocation in life. And also, start the conversation. Ask them what they're drawn to. Ask them if they're open to being a priest or religious sister. And if they say they are, be okay with that. Encourage them. Maybe advise them to speak to a priest or to a nun. Don't be afraid of that. And members of the faithful, encourage young men and women to consider it. It's not infringing on their freedom. Rather, it's showing them the confidence that you have in them that they can do it. You too become a voice of God to them. Many people encourage me. And pray for an increase in vocations. Remember, it's a work of the whole church. It takes all of us. Holy families and holy men and women. I'd like to end with this quote, which is my favorite from John Paul II. And when I read this quote, it made me want to be a priest. He says, the priestly vocation is a mystery. It's a mystery of a wondrous exchange between God and man. A man offers his humanity to Christ so that Christ may use him as an instrument of salvation, making him, as it were, into another Christ. Unless we grasp this mystery of this exchange, we will not understand how it can be that a young man hearing the words, follow me, can give up everything for Christ in the certainty that if he follows this path, he will find complete personal fulfillment. Do not be afraid.